Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Enterprise Sales Development Podcast, brought to you by Science Technologies. We interview outbound leaders at fast-growth businesses to learn their secrets and bring you actionable insights. Thanks for joining us this week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Enterprise Sales Development. I'm Eric Quanstrom, the Chief Marketing Officer at Science. So today is a really interesting discussion and one that maybe is a slight departure from how we've done podcasts in the past. First and foremost, because we had not one, but two great guests joining us on the ESD pod. The first of which is Nick Manella, the Chief Revenue Officer of Helpware. And then the other is Robert Nash, the CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Helpware as well. And I got to tell you, these two talked enterprise sales development, basically how to crack into the enterprise, how to game plan that entire effort, the mindset that's required, some real tips, tricks, and strategies of how to get into the biggest businesses on the planet. And you know, what's interesting is they have the experience to do so. Let me throw these bona fides out at you. So both of them um, cut their teeth, came up through the ranks, actually left Xerox as vice presidents a couple of years ago, also worked in the C-suite of Fanuel, and are now together at Helpware. Helpware, by the way, is a company that has grown by over 3,000 FTEs, full-time employees, in just the last 12 months alone. A company that is absolutely on fire, has signed up. 12 recent unicorn businesses. So these guys' formula for cracking the enterprise is time-tested, mother-approved. And frankly, that's what you're going to get in this podcast. It's going to be chock full of insights for you to take forward into your business along the exact same lines. So without further ado, I've buttered the muffin enough. Let's get to the interview. And so we're back with the team at Helpware. And today's discussion is actually as true to the title of enterprise sales development as just about any that I think we've had on the podcast. And we're going to tackle actually how you get into the enterprise because this is a company and without stealing any thunder, has grown exclusively almost by landing the biggest of the big enterprise clients. And we're going to unpack how they've done that how they've like gotten to an amazing valuation and Robert Nash and Nick Manella, welcome to the podcast. What's up? Hey Eric, thank you. Eric, we're, we're, we're we're representing from Lexington, Kentucky, too. <laughs> I love it. We're right here in, in the bluegrass state. You know, this is actually inspiring us, Eric, because we talked about starting a bourbon and BPO podcast. Maybe, you, you know, go. like the rules of engagement to get this started may be a little different. What has to happen as a precursor to starting the podcast because we didn't, we weren't forced to in this case. But um, I love the thrilled, idea of sending a gift like early so you could be drinking bourbon during the podcast. <laughs> I've been on a Wine Wednesdays podcast, so that oh, makes sense. Been. Works well. Yeah, Nick, you were pressing pretty hard for a Friday afternoon taping. So we're almost there. All good. Yeah. <laughs> well, let just for the the audience to know, you know, Helpware is a company that that manages essentially a BPO workforce and becomes the entire back office of a lot of really well-known organizations. Maybe we can kind of go through some of those those clients so that we even have a basis of conversation for understanding, you know, kind of the levels you play at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm ha- happy to take it. And you're, you're right, Eric. So we classify ourselves 
and, and the people as a services space, which is you could you could business process outsourcing, business process management, and you know a lot of the terms that are used. But but we're deploying kind of the most amazing people from the best locations globally, and then we're teaming up with the fastest growing companies in the world, mostly what we classify as new economy, right? Tech enabled disruptors within market. And in our book today, we've got, um, I think last count, Mr. Manella was 12 unicorn companies from the fastest growing in the world. Like those goal type companies that, um, that you not only want to emulate and be like, but, but also have the opportunity to work with and, and learn from at the same time. That's been, that's been powerful part of, but our journey over the past six years. And, you know, some of those like, you know, big ones recently that, that may ring some bells, Samsara is one that we're really proud of. You talk about a story and, and a five year run, um, what, what they've done. Vented is, is another one of our long term partners, which is a Lithuanian based unicorn. I think last time we looked for that, they were the only Lithuanian based unicorn out there. And then from that, you know, we, we do, we're, we work a lot with, we grew up in that, that SMB startup space too, because sometimes to, to latch onto a unicorn, the easiest way to get in is to get in early and to grow <laughs> as they grow. So, so others like Jam City, um, which is in the, the gaming and, and mobile space. And then you have companies like Ashley Furniture that you wouldn't think like, and is that, but, but because of COVID, what, what happened with them from a landscape perspective, you know, pre COVID, they were mostly brick and mortar from a sales perspective. Post the world changed, you know, all of a sudden we're all buying couches and beds, sitting on our couches and beds. And, you know, the, the there was a, there was a big influx and dynamic there. So like those, those are the types of companies that, that you see in our book and, and what, what Nick and I were really brought in to do was to take what was within Helpware SMB only and to crack into enterprise. And, and, and I think that's going to be a big part of our conversation today, what that looked like and what that can mean for a company from a growth perspective when you open yourselves up to those opportunities. Love it. That's a great uh, summary. So Nick, what does it take to be kind of like enterprise ready as part of your go to market. How do you think about taking down these unicorns even before they're unicorns or as they're unicorns? That's it's a loaded question. And one of the things Robert mentioned COVID, so you know, I think COVID kind of forced us all to to look at look at mental health as as some of us were working in new spaces in our home with our families, which was a blessing, but you know, kind of a new set of stresses and and I think the first step that I would recommend that we've had success with, uh, but it is a continuous process is establishing internal expectations, right? Because it's not just, you know, we had had a lot of success and continue to still focus in the SMB market, but the sales cycle is different in terms of amount of individuals that typically need to give the official green light. Mm. And the sales cycle in terms of duration, right? That that's going to happen. So ensuring that that you have the support if you are in a sales role of the organization to operate in an extended sales cycle. I mean, some of these enterprise sales cycles can run depending on the service or tech 
offering you're bringing to the table between you know six months and eighteen months, and you need to be ready to stay the course you know during that entire process. But you know, I think the other thing uh, we learned early is you know continuous relationship building, trying to go deep as wide as you can in the organization. I think a lot of people make the mistake of of identifying who is going to put the name on the contract or do the final approval and ignoring the many influencers that kind of sit along that path that if you do get into the decision authority will become significant roadblocks if you haven't navigated them. So, uh, you know, being cognizant to that and and working that, you know, the relationship through all of the different channels, not just focusing on that decision authority is 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 critical. And how do you build that muscle? So, you know, if you think about an 18 month sales cycle on on that kind of like far end of the spectrum, traditionally prospecting would be, you know, like such a small sliver, but that would be a very limited and narrow view, wouldn't it? In your opinion, especially if you view relationship building as a proxy for another word for that could be prospecting into decision influencers all along that journey. Is that how you look at it? Yeah, I do. Um, and that's well said. And, and something that we're blessed with at, at our organization is the fact that you know it's not just sales on an island building these relationships. Our operations team, our IT team, all of our different support groups also are willing to step in, support, and build relationships so that you're getting these different angles, you're getting these different perspectives, and you're getting these different relationships that you can tap into during the process. You're not sales on an island trying to navigate uh, this massive entity. And would you call that kind of, or do you have an internal name for that? It, it almost appears like enterprise readiness would be like a, a good umbrella to throw that under. We call it the three by three, right? Don't ever be three contacts short on their side and our side. But I, I think I'm going to swap that out starting tomorrow morning with enterprise readiness. <laughs> I like the three by three. That's a good rule of thumb. <laughs> well, because, you know, it's funny and past podcast uh, listeners will know this. We, we've talked numerous times in in sales about one of the most dangerous places to be is single threaded in any deal and and when you get single threaded it's usually the case that maybe you had a prospecting run and it was successful and ultimately like your organization thought that was enough until that <laughs> went wrong it, in the deal cycle it's so easy to fall into that trap you develop this really strong relationship with one individual and i can't tell you how many times through my career you know we've like so and so's no longer in that role. You know, they've left the organization. They've taken a promotion in a different department. Um, they're on holiday for a couple of weeks, and it's like, who else can I now ask to reach out and pick up the ball on the client side to advance this deal? And and you don't ever want to be in that situation. I've seen it many times. It's almost like burning it all to the ground. Any of the progress that you might have made. Yeah, absolutely. Time clock resets and starts over. Yeah, yeah, and and when it's big co too, that single threadedness could just be taking a job in the department next door, yeah. and then losing losing all influence just with a even with a promotion, right? Like that that can happen so quickly. You know, I we we, we talked about this quite a bit too, Eric, because you know coming coming into Helpware, you know, Helpware never closed a quote unquote enterprise opportunity you know and 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 it was interesting for nick and i because we grew up in the big co right like we grew up in in the big box we spent a lot of time at xerox as the enterprise player selling 
and partnering with the enterprise players. And, and when you're in that space, something that we talk about a lot within our pipeline, and we, we now naturally see this happening, and this is where we want to be, that, you know, so when, when Nick was running the commercial sales book for, let's say, all of Xerox payer services, and that got, what, what percentage of new, new bookings were from the base or existing logo? Um, gosh, I would say 85% from our existing enterprise clients and 15 yeah. from the logo. Yeah. So 85, 15, right? Like in that, imagine, imagine that, that scenario for most of us, even, even today. And then probably most of the listeners here is, is probably going to be flipped, right? Like you may yeah. be upselling from a 15 to 20% perspective and you've got a, you've got a high capture, capture rate. And, 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 that's the alert, right? Once, once you're in that land and expand and earn your right and diversify happens very naturally with the right performance. But, but I'll, I'll tell you that the same messaging that, that Nick and, and our team is taking today across startup, whether, you know, we, we have different variations we call it extend your team or the SMB plays or even the enterprise opportunities. Our, our playbook from, what we're trying to translate into the value proposition really isn't any different. And that was so new for me coming here because there was this intimidation factor of, I need to completely change and think different and package different and, you know, and, and have a, a whole new material set to even start that conversation. And it's just absolutely not true. Like the, the one thing that we communicated very early is that authenticity always translates no, no matter the audience. And if what you're taking to market, like it's your solution, your better, faster, cheaper, your optimization, your ROI case will translate if authentic, right? If true. And you don't, if you stick to that, right? And if you think of these enterprise players, you know, as, as a compilation of SMBs under one umbrella, that's right. really how it works, right? There's different rules for gatekeepers. There's different rules for getting in and getting an MSA in place and earning that right to get to that organic growth and upsell. But we took away a big blocker just from a intimidation and mentality perspective by reminding our team and being very unashamed and very authentic in that value prop because it will translate those they may be a managing director. They may, you know, they, they may have a, you know, we, we, we worked with Humana for a long time. You know, I, I knew folks that had a, a business unit management title that had a $400 million P&L that they controlled directly with buying authority and with a roadmap to continue growth. And, and that's who those buyers within the subunits within the enterprise will help you move and navigate across the whole. And that, that, that for us was such a important message to share, you know, because we, you know, this team, Nick, for us, a lot of these guys have never sold that value prop either, not to enterprise, but they've been as successful when we just took those targets instead of allowing ourselves to be only S and D. We didn't have to self-restrain. Do you think it's a fair statement to say that selling to the enterprise is just as easy 
or just as hard as selling to the SMB, but just framed differently? That's a good way to put it. I, I, I think that, you know, those rules that Nick talked about, like you, Nick, how many, how many stories have we heard where they're like, hey, let's go get the enterprise hunter. We bring the guy in and he's got a 90 day clock, right? If that deal's not done in 90 days where we, we, we slice and dice and we go. You know, even when Nick and I had the conversation about healthware, we, we kind of set that expectation, that 12 to 18 month window to build in it. And it wasn't because the expectation or the value prop or the solution that we were going to deliver wasn't translating. It was just navigating that process with time, next quarterly budget approval. So, so for me, it was more of, of the timing aspect. And getting that expectation right, what do, what do you what do you think, Nick? Is there Eric's question? Is it? So I, I think it's a question where you know some of the parts of the sales cycle are going to be simpler in the SMB, right? Mm-hmm. Typically, it's a it's a it's easier to get to the buyer, right? You know, the downside is they may not have a defined process. They may not understand kind of what is acceptable, you know, with an enterprise buyer, more than likely they have experience and they've got a defined process Mm -hmm. on how they're going to procure your services, your tech, whatever, right? So there's already a process there. You've got to successfully navigate that process and end up with a result that's successful for your organization. With the SMB, you know, it can be a faster sales cycle, but a lot of that's undefined. So you can kind of bounce around and, and you've, got to try to lead them down the path, yeah. which sometimes can can actually be more challenging in the end. But I, I you know, there's there's definitely parts of each that I prefer versus yeah, the that's other. true. Yeah, you you're almost never like you you're never the first, right? When you're when you're in the big the big box or in, yeah. in the enterprise. And and you're almost never alone either, right? But but for us, we welcome that because we want to come in as that champion challenger type mentality and, and and to take that status quo and that that side where, where we were talking about authenticity you know in in our world there are there are certain elements because of what we do from a people perspective where let's say our attrition is 50 percent of you know it's half of what they're used to within the bpo space from the enterprise segment you know our absenteeism you know, our, our ability to convert on KPIs and service levels, our referenceability in, in very specific areas that, that are pretty simple when you look at them on paper and everyone measures them and everyone spends them to be as favorable as they can be. But, but there's always a way to get to black and white. And, and normally when we're going in to have those conversations, when we have to differentiate and to stand out and just crack that door open and push in, that's really why it's happening for helpware, right? And then we're, we're hammering that home continually and constantly. And then for my chair, I see that as our single differentiator. So we're doing everything we can to protect it through scale, you know, adding 3000 FDE over the past 18 months and, and looking at doubling that in the next 12, for us, if we lose that differentiation, if we lose that authenticity, we lose the ability to have that seat as, as, as a disruptor. Mm. They're pretty set, right? They, they've got all the boxes checked and they've, they've, <laughs> they've already spent it. Unless, unless you're selling something that is 
never been done before, right? It's completely transformative and, and like a full automation suite. But but how, how many are really replacing something that doesn't exist? I think we've got to be honest with ourselves. We've just got to be better than the guys that are there today. I think there's some real pearls of wisdom here that were dropped that I don't want to miss and, and actually want to kind of go back to because I have a specific question around it. You'd mentioned that, you know, especially with enterprises, you're never the first and you're never alone, which would also indicate, and, and that was the wisdom, by the way, that the buyers do have a procurement background, have done this before, have seen this movie. Isn't it important to have, you know, kind of a, when you're opening up a conversation with one of these organizations, kind of like leaning into that wind, like, and letting it carry you through around, hey, <laughs> I have a good idea of how you're going to buy and I want to be included in your shortlist. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the big changes in, that we made over here at Healthware is the amount of research we put in before even trying that initial engagement, right? Mm-hmm. Doing your homework on not just the organization, not just the industry, but the individual and, and trying to take advantage of that and position yourself. I mean, Robert mentioned, you know, they're getting this this person may get you know she or he may get 15 hold emails or calls in a day right how are you going to stand out right? right what do you know about him or her what do you know about that organization what do you know about that industry what about your offering is going to stand out from those other 15 or 14 contacts and and we put a lot of time and emphasis on the research prior to even making that first engagement which by default means that you're doing less engagement or less, you know, contact, less volume. But could we just call it a higher quality, fewer quantity type of approach or mentality? 100%. Well, and then what's interesting about that too is the other pearl of wisdom that I, I feel was really important is big organizations are just compilations of SMBs. And so understanding how those, and this is the hardest thing in all sales, right? Like understanding the four walls that you're not in, the org chart. Who answers to whom? Who holds budget? Who's like, who's got what initiative or objectives? It's a great big puzzle to figure out, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, who's who's bearing the pain, right? We we, we talk about that a lot, right? So, so you know, for us, like if we're looking, let's say within within healthcare, and we're thinking of seasonality and ramps. You know, and, and you know, hit, hitting a certain number, like just for a period of open enrollment, or you know, if you or if you see, you know, like I'll, I'll see next team looking at um, new product releases, or or you know, in our case, from a let's say a support, a solution side, where where there's a lot of noise, something's gone gone bad from a product ramp or delivery, and there's there's a lot of customer abrasion or frustration. There is someone within Big Co. It doesn't matter how big they are. That is losing sleep at night and responsible for resolving that situation. Yeah. And, 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 and you, you see, and, and there are a lot of clues out there, right? From the research side that, that you can identify within no, no matter the size, the scale, the scale of an organization, you, you can identify who actually owns those, right? Who's bearing that pain? If, if you can answer that question, then, then your ability to resonate it goes way higher than just like that that you know spray and pay, pray type approach that you know I get hit with Eric you get hit with Nick we get hit with I mean how many we get every single day that 
that doesn't resonate with any actual pain that I'm feeling. The ones that do, yeah. I stop, right? I, I'll immediately pause. And, and that's true no matter whether we're in SMB or enterprise. That, that yeah. always translates to, to whoever's carrying that on their shoulders. True words right there. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing some of those clues that you translate back into research that are part of your DNA, part of your thinking, so that, you know, our listeners can take away and say, oh, I can do that research too. Oh yeah, I work in that exact same industry. I feel like this is a setup because science has helped us quite a bit, Nick, (laughs) with with learning, with learning some of that blueprint. You know, for, for us, it could, you know, like some of those clues that you see are, we're looking very closely at who's adding certain types of support roles against products that, that we're in line with. You know, science actually provides us a tremendous amount of data that gives us insight to then go to the next level, right? If I know company X has recently just ramped 300 tier two tech support out of, out of Manila, right? That's, that's an important insight for us because our differentiation within that Manila market for those exact resources at a really competitive price point. I know if we can put our metrics against that need and solution set, there's going to be a lot of bells going off, like a lot of ding, ding, dings happening. Nick, I, I, you're, you're much closer on the research side with, with, with our guys. What do you think? So the, the, you know, we're constantly doing industry research. So, you know, that could be as elementary as. Hey, the, the country of Spain is passing some, uh, you know, there's some legislation pending that mm-hmm. impacts or requires certain customer service standards, right? And, and reaching out to any organization impacted. So kind of industry specific stuff. Uh, there's been a lot happening in crypto, uh, lately in our world that, that we're using. And then getting all the way back to the, the individual, the person, right? To Robert's point, trying to relate to them. If they've intended, if they, if they've attended or spoken at a conference recently, right? Doing the homework and understanding, you know, that level of, of the individual and then using that to ensure that our messaging is tied to, you know, that topic or parts of that topic and even not being afraid to disagree with parts of the topic, right? It's right. not always about supporting and being a tailwind to them, but, you know, reaching out where we may feel differently that there's something we do in the offering, something especially if we see with, with one of their peers in the market you know, not being afraid to use those types of discussions to, to drive and, and generate some interest. So even then, classic uh, challenger sale type yeah, methodology. Yeah. Yep. That happens. And then I, I think th- just thinking back the past 12 months for us, something that was landscape changing was, you know, we, we do support from the enterprise perspective, both the, the state and federal space. So there are very public breadcrumb trails that, that you can follow with when a private enterprise is awarded, right? Federal or state funding. You know, that is budget. That is timeline. That is expectation. It is a very clear path and blueprint of what's available and, and who the, you know, specifically who the buyer is. They name names. They name locations. They name services types. They name tech solutions. That's an element of research that we've invested more in and, and significantly diversified our revenue because of that as well. Would that be fair to call a domino sale? You know, the, <laughs> the domino, first domino tips at the state level yeah. and then private co gets the business and then yeah. private co is going to have needs that... Yeah, absolutely gonna... right. Like follow the funding. 
Yeah. I mean, it always leads you, it always leads you to the light. <laughs> I love that. That, I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's the other thing, right? Like that, that science is, has taught us that, that we follow too. It's, you know, not, not all, um, even on the S and D side, you know, rounds and, and you know, the, the venture side of investments, mm-hmm. but, but everyone's telling that story, right? They don't have to, but, but you see it all over voluntarily being, being pushed out. And when you know, when you know there's funding, when you know there's growth, when you know there's opportunity, they're naming names, right? And then if you can look at that and overlay your differentiation, your authenticity to that opportunity, it's amazing how doors open. It, it, yeah. it just seems, it seems very natural at that point. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of research or methodologies in this space around trigger-based selling, but like, you know, I, I've always found that trigger-based selling, when done well or or it fits your particular business, can be the most profitable because people in similar circumstances tend to behave similarly, right? Like a Series A company that just raised X amount of money mm-hmm. might not be that different from the Series A company that just raised the exact amount a month or quarter or a year ago in the same space, right? <laughs> looking to do the exact same things. Even if the 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 composition, the org chart, the titles, mm-hmm. the way that they're going to deploy that capital is maybe slightly different, it's going to rhyme. That's one of the biggest things that we're tracking to that Series A, Series B type funding trigger, and, and we we try to pounce on those. Yeah, and I would imagine too for Helpware's business, especially the disruptor message probably is very congruent with yeah. the kind of company that you know. If I've got to deploy capital, that I would want to deploy it with. Is that a fair yeah. assessment? It absolutely is. Part of that is our ability to scale and support, you know, when they're busting at the seams, but then also help them level up some of these internal functions where we bring professional services and that consultative approach on top of the horsepower to deliver large-scale operations. Yeah, such a valuable service. (laughs) One that we're very familiar with firsthand here with Helpware doing a, a fantastic job. So... Tell me what else is is really relevant around, and again, you said you're going to adopt it, so let's start now. Enterprise readiness around, especially the go-to-market motions. How do you think about that down to the individual sales team level, mm. Nick, when you're um, putting together a, a roster, when you're putting together a team, when you're kind of building the building blocks to make any of this happen, especially given the timeframes of, okay, we've got the attack plan, we've got the expectation set, we've got the air cover, if you will, to where this isn't going to be a 12-month sale in three months. And if it's not, I'm out. How do you think about the players in the game on your side and organizing your organization for best success? We made the decision to, you know, everybody wants to go out and find the the, the biggest name free agents in their space, right? <laughs> who's, done, who's done the biggest deal with the Fortune 10, right? The biggest the the biggest uh, brands in, in our space and and I'm not saying that's the, the wrong solution but what we decided to do is a combination of you know go get some top talent in the market right go find some some names that have that have done this in these industries represented these services and, and had demonstrated success but before that they've got to fit our culture mm-hmm. right they've got to be a good behavioral psychological, match to the helpware culture so that we're not in conflict there with their experience and what they're you know how they're going to the market with messaging but we balance that with building up 
our own team that come in with you know, that right mindset, that right attitude and approach. And then we use those senior resources and then our broader team to teach them the helpware way to the point where, you know, a lot of those individuals, you know, you guys both said this, it's about getting them the confidence to not be afraid to go kick down those doors. And when they get the 10 objections to keep bouncing back with a good rebuttal until they get the meeting. And, and, and it's just, you know, once they have that confidence um, and once they have a taste, a little bit of success, you know, is where those individuals will blossom and start carrying the ball farther down the field themselves. But we're, we're really fortunate that we're able to, you know, start them in kind of a lead generation type role. And this is something we learned uh, from science best practices and then allow them to graduate up to taking larger SMB deals, enterprise deals, and then within enterprise deals, advancing further down the sales cycle without the support of the organization. But until that, the organization kind of steps in when needed, where needed, and, and kind of coaches them through that process until we feel they're they're ready to kind of run and walk on their own. Nice. That's great. It almost sounds like a GM mentality where you're going to mix the draft picks and yeah. you know, homegrown talent with just the right free agents that are you know not going to come in and be a bunch of divas and <laughs> blow up team chemistry. <laughs> us, yeah, let's but us sales types, <laughs> us sales types that have been around a while, we're we're high yeah. magnet, definitely divas for sure. That's, that's, I couldn't agree more. That's my favorite part, part of this whole damn thing. But you you know, Eric, for us, we didn't have much of a choice either because. And I don't know exactly the the demographic of of the listeners here, but we we frankly couldn't afford to go, you know, pick up the the top free agents either. Where we were even, you know, well, Nick um, might be the top free agent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So even he's speaking where we were firsthand. eighteen months ago, and but uh, but I, I think this path was way better for us, and. and you know, even if, if we, you know, we, we didn't have, we didn't have backing and funding and, you know, we, we, we were kind of, we were very scrappy getting to this point and, and we're continuing that mentality. It's, it's really become cultural for us and something that, that we talk about so much, um, when we're out selling, like, especially within our space, right? Like consumer expectations of change, like how you're going to meet me, how I want to be communicated with. What that channel is, the ease of use at, you know, on my timetable, whether I'm returning something on Amazon, right? And, and it's just a few clicks from my Prime app and I don't have to talk to anyone, bada boom, bada bing. It's super easy. Like I want that same experience, whether I'm renting a car or um, I've got a question about my EOB, you know, explanation of benefits, something within healthcare. Or I've ordered a couch on like, I as a consumer now expect you company to meet me and, and to consider me in that channel, that timing that's most optimal for me. And, and that consumer expectation, you know, that, that transformation that's happened for all of us as consumers, that's permeating in almost every other area of our life and expectation. Yeah. It's the same thing for buyers. Right. No matter what your product or solution or capability offering is, you have to think about meeting them in that same way that's most optimal. And this process that Nick defined from, from, from guys that learn 
to tell our story and they learn to have those interactions, that's translating no matter the, the, the deal size or the opportunity size for us, because when they're sticking to our true differentiators within the space, and then we're translating that message through those channels, we find that it resonates. And then we've got, S, we've, we've got SDRs that have grown up that are closing our largest enterprise deals. They, you know, we, we worked in enterprise for 20 plus years, right? We, we navigated all that procurement. They're bringing us to the table and, and, and they've done it completely native on their own at this point. Like it's, it's just taken on its whole life because they look and feel so much different just because of their approach than a lot of the guys we would go procure that's done it the same way. Yeah. And I, I think we were maybe as, as lucky as we were good in that process because what, what we could actually afford to invest in in the early days, but. But I wouldn't change it for anything at this point. We're just continuing that model. We're continuing to hire and build um, from the bottom up because those guys learn our story so well. They are so much more authentic in how they're telling it than, than we could have trained. Well, you know, I think that there's some real big nuggets of gold here because you've hit on a few themes that were true to you that also resonated with, you know, your eventual buyers. And I would include in those themes your word of authenticity, but also that lack of intimidation and that lack of, oh, I don't even see that there's a gate here. I'm just going in yeah. and I'm going to be scrappy. And that was, I guess, the third theme that yeah. also is very congruent with a challenger brand, isn't it? Yeah. Or a disruptor brand, probably yeah. a better way of putting it. Yeah, I think that I think that's a really good summary, man. And and Nick, I, you know, I'm just I'm cycling through even opportunities now in the pipeline, how how those doors were were opened and some of those may I, be competitive, I, so watch out. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I, we can we can bleep things. I won't. I, <laughs> I've learned not to say too many names when I'm on with Nick. But when I get off this call, I'm going to tell everybody here. But no, that's a that's a that's a really good summary of. Well, you can head fake any of your competitors who might be listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did think about that. Hopefully, <laughs> tell them about fake phantom deals and watch them waste a lot of time. Because <laughs> uh, that works too. That easy. Oh my gosh, that's funny. But you know, th this actually sounds like a really well thought out. I know you said luck played a big role in it, but yeah. to me, this is a mentality that that seems to be very viable, and it might even be a strategy that our listeners could consider for their own organizations. You know, because what I'm hearing is that there was no ceiling, there was no fake fence put around what we could or couldn't do as far as going out and winning business that may have even been unthinkable prior to just being a little audacious and going at going after it and seeing what happens. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a good way to put it. If you if you if you lose that intimidation factor and if you're sticking to and appropriately translating that value proposition, like our we we have no problem going out and and like putting our finger directly in the nose and we're naming names of those competitors. And I, you know, we, we, we're just so crystal clear in that messaging, you know, a lot of times we'll get into the, you know, we'll get lumped in and we'll run through the RFP process and we're going through orals and we're, we're doing it. And they're like, you know, everyone kind of says the same stuff. 
right? Everyone says this about investing in culture and the people and, and beautiful locations and the commitment of the folks that are going to be extended on your team. And we'll have our young guys stand up like, but we mean it. Like that's the difference. We actually mean it. And let's cut out all the horse shit in the numbers and, and how like, well, well, Big Co is saying their attrition number is the same as yours. Well, how are they measuring? They're, they're measuring after six months. You see what they're doing? They're lying to you because they're not as good. Like it's, I, I think it is really appropriate where you have your differentiation to be completely unashamed and bullish about it and let it land where it lands unapologetically because th- those buyers, especially on the enterprise today, Everyone's spinning and messaging that to them to try to soften all of the edges. And what, what they have going for them, they've done it so long. They have accurate, they have live comparisons from, from other vendors. They're going to stack you up against. They will know very quickly whether it's true or not. And so if, if you have that, right, if, if that is yours and that's the only thing that you focus on, that's enough. Like that yeah. one point can win a massive enterprise deal if it's if it's a true differentiator. And that's that's what I see like I call them kids almost. Like they're like we've gotten old somewhere in the past 20 years, but they're they're just so unapologetic because because they know it's true. And and if you if you if you hold that and you can take that out, you shouldn't have shame. And no matter who you're talking to or the size of the opportunity that should always ring true. That's what I think that we've been able to convey from a confidence side. These young guys that don't have a lot of that experience navigating these complex deals. Like I remember at Helpware, the first RFP that we got, right? Like we we'd never written an RFP response. Like what are we gonna do? We gotta go hire RFP writers. We gotta we gotta hire a journalist to do this. We gotta hire a graphic. No, it's just it, it's the same thing, guys. It's what's the difference in that? And if you're gonna get on and have you know, you're going to walk through an hour presentation and show your capabilities and your slides and the who, what, where, and when, and your pricing. It's just a different format, but it was, the, it was this mentality. Oh, sh- RFP. We, we've never done it. We can't do RFPs. You got to do RFPs to win enterprise. How are we going to do that? It's, it was just the same thing when you, when you put a different lens on it, that, that it's fine. Just, just tell your story and, and you'll translate. Well, you know, I mean, the success speaks for itself. Adding 3,000 FTEs in a 12-month period is ridiculously fast growth. And I really like what you just said there. And, and again, I want to repeat it because I think that it's really valuable. One point can win deals. The immediate way that I interpreted that upon hearing it was a lot of companies probably get distracted in their marketing and lost in wanting to be all things to all people or wanting to have, you know, countless numbers of features and benefits and feeling like the the entire you know page needs to be filled up yeah. with details all about us. Yeah. And yet I've never heard a buyer say, well, they had clearly more features than the next guy and that's why I bought them. <laughs> that's right. Like everyone's going to check the boxes, right? right. Like or, or everyone's going to posture to check all of the boxes. Right? That's, but but what's almost always driving the opportunities within our space is that pain point. There's always one. It's something very particular. And when you're in the people as a services space, as us, it's that consistency, right? It's the showing up. It's the, you know, being able to, one of the enterprise clients that, that we signed back in Q4, 
you know, we signed in mid-November and we had to have 500 FTE stateside delivery going into January. And, you know, our, our model, our reputation, our ability to hire, like the one thing they came back said, we would work with you guys again because you're the first vendor that we've worked with that hit every single commitment from a ramp perspective. When we needed the resources, Helpware had them there. And in the past five years, we've, that's been a failure point for us over and over and over. Something as simple as that won the right to continue as a partner of choice going forward, right? Because we did what we said we would do from the most simple commitment. And then in that whole checklist of stuff that, you know, that, that like in our space, the buyers are looking for, like you said, they're going through that whole inventory. Sometimes that one's just passed over, right? Of course, they're going to go hire who they said they would. But you know what the, like the, the story is in our space? 90% can't because their cultures suck, mm. right? Because no one want, really wants to work there. And we'll say that to, to these buyers. And, and that's, that's, that could be our single point of differentiation. It is in a lot of cases for helpware. Eric, I mean, man, what you just said is gold. Like, and, you know, a common thing I see. So uh, we have a new SDR, right? The joins, they just come out of training. Mm-hmm. They get a lead, right? They get an appointment. They get that meeting. And it's like, all right. And and I've actually seen our CEO do this quite a few times in client meetings. <laughs> like, man, I'm coming to this meeting with 35 slides that I've built. And I'm going to go through all 35 slides, whether <laughs> you like it or not. And and you know, as they learn to kind of defer, I think that, you know, the, the, the most successful sales reps have no issue deferring to right. client and trying to learn and gather as many data points in the beginning of a meeting, before a meeting, you know, during a meeting, and then pivot talking to, to align and check the boxes of, of the pain points they're hearing from the client, but like not, not feeling the need to just regurgitate everything you've yeah. just learned. And and being an active listener and you know pivoting your talk track and the subject matter experts you bring into meetings based off of you know the feedback from the client just that just increases your conversion rate. So true. Well, you know, simple is hard. <laughs> Keeping it simple so. is actually really hard. I've heard Nick give that specific coach in there because we'll we'll have that nice fifty page deck and you may be five minutes in the was like what. Do you have a solution for Portuguese? Like we we're interested in Portuguese, you know. But can you tell us specifically about that? And we're like, yeah, it's, that's on slide twenty-seven. We'll be there in about forty minutes. Let us, you know, like <laughs> I've heard coach. I'm breaking that. Like, hey, if that's what they want to talk about, if if that's the one thing for them, just go there. That's, yeah, that's fine. Like if we've got that honest, let's just go there and and do that. <laughs> I'm probably the worst with that, Nick, because once I, I get, you know, I'm not going to point the finger, but I could be the other thing. Eric, part of success is he's removed me from all of these um, opportunity first engagements. <laughs> <laughs> Clear the lane, single threaded yeah. the other way. That's right. <laughs> oh, mercy. Vendor single threaded. Anywho, let's edit that this, out. This has okay. been an am- amazing, amazing conversation just chock full of of really great nuggets of wisdom. So thank you guys for taking the time. For anyone in our audience that wants to learn more, either about Helpware, about um, either of the two of you, where should they go? Helpware.com. Come check us out. Just uh, just redesign the website. 
it was a, a big focus from our uh, leadership <laughs> team to get that done. And and uh, now we're super excited about it, constantly rolling out new case studies, how we're supporting folks, uh, organizations globally across our global footprint. Yeah, check it out, helpware.com. And um, you know, one thing that, that's happening now for us, we talked about earlier, Eric, that that needle starting to, to switch for us from organic growth, but new economy companies from the fastest growing brands in the world, we're bringing a lot of synergy points, learning from these unicorns within the book and sharing those with our, our new and, and future and soon to be that, that we've had the opportunity to get in. So yeah, check us out. We'd love to have a conversation. Hit us on LinkedIn. But thanks so much for hosting today, Eric. And thanks so much for what science does and, and it's helped us from a growth acceleration side. Appreciate it. You betcha. Thanks, guys. Yep. Cheers, man. Cheers.